Welcome to episode 40 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengiz. And we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? So hey, buddy. my <laughs> hey buddy, my wife is in the background of my this wife. episode. That's right, there it is. So if anyone hears some giggling or laughing, you all know where it is emanating from. I also like the fact that behind me, so so Jengis and I are doing this remotely, which actually I feel like the, our sound quality is better when we do it remotely. Is that weird? A little bit. Yeah, but I feel like I've listened back to some of the episodes where we've done this remotely, and it almost always sounds better. So maybe this is the way to go. It's also easier. But it is regardless, easier. Yeah, right? Regardless, doing this remotely, but in the back of my little Google Hangout video chat, as we're doing our opening, my wife is mouthing our words in the background from all the times she's listened to us <laughs> open the show. <laughs> Our one true fan. It's true. It is. You get the VIP ticket. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. Um, I'm so a little under things. the weather. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's fine. So don't mind my extra nasaliness tonight and maybe a little bit of a rubbing and coughing and sniffing and sneezing and geeking out about modern horizons. Oh, segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty I wild. Mean, I don't, yeah, it's like I just I'm I'm just thinking like what are they doing? What are they doing? So we we've been following this set pretty probably close more closely than most sets. Well, I simply mean, that's because, because they like, keep spoiling things that are ridiculous. Yeah, it's just bomb after bomb after bomb, and it's like, God damn, wizards, chill, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like here I'm gonna pull up the uh, the card image gallery. Um, and at this point, what's great is that as the time of this cast, as of today, actually, the entire card image gallery came out. Is the pre-release tonight? Uh, that much I don't know. I don't really keep track of all that. Well, I know that... Um, it's available early on uh, MTGO June 6th, so that just mean that... I mean, we can look it up. I'll look it up while you look at the cards. Yeah, so I mean, we're just going to talk about some of the the big bombs. I mean, all in all, I'll just say Modern Horizons. I, next I told next weekend's the pre-release. That makes sense. I told I told Bevan I was like, you know, um, I was. I'm. It's good. It's a good thing. I've 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 stopped actively collecting like all magic. It's uh, true. Because I would have bought probably a, like a case of this set. Um, just because there's just so many cards worth having, uh, and a lot of them are, are are new, and so many mechanics. Like the mechanics are all over the place because these cards are going directly into modern legal, and obviously that also means they're commander legal and a whole bunch of other things. Um, they just kind of took a little bit from everywhere and like just just dropped it into a single set. I, I mean, just, you've got. I, I just feel like this set has so much more commander bait. You know, than many other sets beforehand. You know, I mean, I I agree, but mm-hmm. it is it I it is you know its purpose is to be a a to change up the landscape of modern. Will it do that? Well, that's to that's to be decided. But just to talk about first some of the mechanics they have, just so we can just I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna scroll and go through. So Snowlands, um, back. the the untap symbol, suspend. Um, modular, uh, what else do we have? Um, I saw flashback, 
um, level up, invoke, <laughs> delve, cycle, ninjutsu, entwine. Um, oh, Jesus, I, I can't even like dash, um, overload. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like the amount of mechanical keywords that they've brought back for this set and triggered and activated abilities are just they're 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 insane. Um but we're going to talk about some of the standout cards here. I mean in general, I can just say beforehand this set is like an 8 thumbs up um <laughs> for me. But uh I we'll talk about some of the some of the standout cards. So probably the first card in our group that really the one that got us all like, whoa, I can't believe they're doing this, is they, they, they finally did it. They they made Urza. They made Urza. Like, like legit. not just like his head. <laughs> <laughs> Pre, only a head, like full body Urza. Urza, L- Lord L- High Artificer. Two colorless, two blue. Um, legendary creature, human artificer, mythic, of course, one four. When Urza Lord High Artificer enters the battlefield, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. Now, you could have just stopped there and I would have been like, wow, this is a this is a great card. What great value. <laughs> right. But wait, there's more. Another a second ability Tap an untapped artifact you control, and not the tap symbol tap. So if this is a creature, it doesn't count summoning sickness. It just you can just tap an untapped artifact you control, add a blue mana to your mana pool. Not, so now I'm like not colorless, not colorless, a solid <laughs> blue mana. So now I'm like, okay, now the card is overpowered, but fine. But they didn't leave it there. <laughs> they decided that that wasn't enough. That it's like they just blew their load because they knew it was Urza, <laughs> and it, they needed to just go all out. So final ability, uh, five any color mana, five whatever mana, colorless, whatever you want to call untyped. it, five mana, untyped mana. Shuffle your library, exile the top card until end of card or end of turn. You may play that card. Without paying its mana cost. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. That is in friggin' sane. Do you understand with a paradox engine on the field what this card is? <laughs> because it think is, about it. It's you, just another. Every, every time you <laughs> tap your artifacts, you're gaining blue mana. Yep. You play a spell with paradox engine, you untap all of those non land permanents. It's Do it an, again. It's a super easy combo to get to, which is right? wild. Especially if he's your commander. Like, <laughs> like I, it is insane. And then on top of that, you have that ability where you can shuffle your deck and play the top card, which in turn, I mean, if you've got nothing better to do and you had Paradox Engine out, you can just start playing your deck. As long as you don't run into a land, you're just like, oh, boop, 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 boop. Like, what a ridiculous card. What do you mean? Oh, well, the, because Paradox only t- untaps if you cast a spell. All right, I Correct. Yeah. And if you use his uh, his last ability and you go into a land, you won't be casting a spell. But That's true. regardless, I mean, like, even even without that final ability, just the just the tap and untapped artifact you control for a blue mana already makes that broken mm-hmm. in so many ways. I mean, this card, like Jesus, what a card! What 
a card. It's a great card. It's a solid it card. It really is. And so, I mean, we were like, where could they go from here? Well, Jengis, <laughs> how about talking about the next broken, ridiculous card we saw? Uh, which one would that? Because I've seen a lot. It was the five colored something oh, or another. Oh yeah. You mean the first sliver? That That's what I mean, Jengis. <laughs> when, when you cast it. It cascades and then gives all your slivers cascade. That's the one. <laughs> My, they have so many slivers in this set. Yeah, slivers are slivers are back in this set, and in a big way. But the first sliver, one of each colored mana, cascade itself, and then all slivers you have have cascade. Like you can just run into sliver after sliver after sliver, and it would be ridiculous there's a lot of like slivers that um what's the word for it makes other slivers obsolete too um for instance like the the red white sliver uh here it is cloud shredder sliver which is one red one white um and when it comes into when you it's on the battlefield sliver creatures you control have flying and haste yeah which is, a boros slither, sliver that gives the boros traits this is like it's crazy. There's so many crazy things. In this Strange set. enough, it's not the only Boros sliver in the set. There are That's two true. Boros slivers, which I thought was interesting because the second one's the Lava Belly, which is slivers you control have when this creature enters the battlefield. It deals one damage target Planeswalker, and you gain one life. Which for slivers probably, I mean, in sixty card probably maybe playable in Commander. I don't know if you're looking for an extra sliver, that would be it. But there's better ones. Probably. Like, there's there's some there's some huge slivers in here. So then we were like, wow, so this set is kind of broken. And then they just kept going. Like, Yawgmoth is in the set. Which is, like, Why? wild. This is, like, pre-Phyrexia Yawgmoth. Which yeah. is, like... And he's got, like... People looked it up. Like, he has the abilities he needs for like to, like, activate his own, like like cards like the yogmoth cards oh yeah uh, and it's like it's like goddamn he's uh, too colorless too red protection from humans pay one life he's a two four human cleric pay one life sacrifice another creature put a minus one minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card then tap two black mana discard a card and proliferate yep Pretty oh well. proliferate there's another thing that's back Ninjutsu. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, That's back in a big like, way. There's about 40 returning mechanics in this set. Um, there's an article on uh, Daily MTG that has them all. Um, you know, replicate, retrace, shroud, splice, suspend. You know, totem armor. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 all here in a big big way. Hideaway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we have like some try hard cards, cards where I feel like they're trying to make them really great, but they're just okay. Like when they announced Force of Negation, I just audibly scoffed at it. It was just this one like loud like, ah! <laughs> because it was like, I know some guy was sitting in a room like, what's an, what, what, what could be a name of a card that everybody's going to want? Just based on the name alone. And it's like, well, how about if we just combine Force of Will and Pact of Negation and we call it Force of Negation? And they were like, that's it. 
<laughs> Genius. That's the one. Prick Except the, the card is just okay. It's a cancel mana cost. So one colorless and two blue instant that you can counter target non-creature spell. And if you do, you exile it instead of putting it in its owner's graveyard, which you're like, okay, but so it's kind of like a dissolve, I guess, but less great because it's non-creature only, but it's only saving grace is it has the force mechanic of, if it's not your turn, which is also not as great either, because that means if it is your turn, you can't use the alternate casting cost. But if it's not your turn, you can exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay the spell's mana cost. So, I don't know. I feel like that's not as great of a card as they like as the title would uh, have you think. But I mean, that's just me. A lot of these cards are just like they're trying to make things that are. Um, close enough without being too because it's still magic. They're still trying to like not power creep too hard, even though they fail every set. Um, but like I understand what they're going for. Um, I mean, there's some some wild things here. I mean, I like the. I mean, as far as like green goes, full art snowlands, full art snowlands is wild. Um, the fact that snowlands and the cards that take advantage of snow covered lands. Uh, are in here is crazy. Um, there's a lot of changelings in this set. There are uh, a lot of changelings. This is even a new big bad colorless, but also five colored changeling commander. It's true. Morophon, the boundless. Morophon, the boundless, yeah. Um, changeling, um, six, six, cost seven. He is, uh, you choose a creature type when he comes in and spells of the chosen type co- uh, casting cost are reduced by one of each color mana. And oh. then other other creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. They also have uh, cycling lands. Uh, and, you know... And, but don't forget about a new mox and two new swords. Because that true. was the other big things that we kind of like. We're like, oh my god, now the new mox, I'll be honest, swords. I isn't great. I think that it's a suspend three for zero. So at the earliest, you're getting it turn three yep. if you're not playing a, sh- a shenanigan deck. And you're getting a f- a- an extra mana on turn three. I'm not sure how helpful a turn three extra mana is. Some people, that's not bad. I guess, but any other mocks. If, if I see that in my hand and I'm playing commander, I'm like, Hell yeah, I get this down. I know at least I'll have a mana on turn three. But the thing is, even at our little meeting, someone had mentioned, and I agreed, like, Lotus Bloom is not played. Nobody plays Lotus Bloom. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the same thing, except for more mana, right? Lotus Bloom is, let me pull up the exact text here. It's the exact same. Well, no, because you have to sack it. But it doesn't matter. It's three extra mana three turns later. Yeah. But, no, but nobody plays that. That's true. Um, but I mean, eh, eh, you know. It's a mox. I mean, it'll sell for money just because it says mox. It's true. But then uh, we have the two new swords. They're doing allied swords now. <laughs> allied swords. It's a thing. It, 
Yeah. And the first two that we have that we're introduced to, we have the Sword of Truth and Justice and the Sword of Sinew and Steel. Black. The Sword of Truth and Justice is the blue-white sword. And just like all swords, both these swords have a casting cost of three and a quip of two. The blue-white obviously gives prot from blue-white, and they get plus two, plus two. But its ability is whenever an equipped creature whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature you control, on a creature you control, not the equipped creature, then proliferate. Which I'm like, wow, that's cool. That's fun. And then Sinew and Steel gives prot red-black, two, two. And whenever the equipped creature deals damage or, uh, combat damage to a player, destroy up to one target planeswalker and up to one target artifact. <laughs> That's oh, a good card. Man. They really have to put in the extra planeswalker hate ever since the last set. War of the Spark? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, all in all, man, good set. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good set. Really interesting set. I'm, I'm curious to see how the landscape kind of changes, both in, well, mostly in modern. I feel like Commander's still pretty set in stone. But, yeah. But I would like to see how, how things change. Um, and if these are just signs of things to come, maybe some of these things will come back. Maybe. Um, Who knows? That's magic. Not much else in the magic front, Uh Honestly, beyond Modern Horizons. Modern Horizons has really been the, the big thing for the past month. Um, kind of pretty much just started like a little bit after we dropped the podcast, right? Like the first yeah, close started was somewhere around there. Yeah. Did we talk about the fact that I scored that the Mythic? Um, No, because I believe that also happened after the podcast. Well, fun fact. So... We, which is crazy, because so Bevan was listening to in the car on on the way to pick up uh, the kids today. She happened to be listening to the Dengue Awards number two. Oh boy! <laughs> and it happened to be at the exact part where you and I are going over, like we had just discovered Mythic editions, and you and I are like, I don't know, two hundred and fifty bucks for some alternate art. Who would ever do that? Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I were like, we were, we're just like, ah, oh, whatever. They're cool, I guess. But like, uh, I don't know, 250 bucks. Like, we really want that. Uh, bleh. And I'm listening to us and I was like, Jesus, I was like, what a what an idiot we were. Because I mean, hindsight, you know, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it not really because I, I did. So for those that don't know, the War of the Spark Mythic Edition uh, was announced and released. And when they announced it, they announced um, among other planeswalkers in the set the two biggins were uh ugin and jace the mind sculptor and so instantly that went on everybody's radar as the set to grab and we decided or i should say i decided i was like you know what i saw a post about it like the day before it was getting released it was on facebook they were like tomorrow 3 p.m uh eastern or you know they said i think you know 12 p.m pacific technically but they were like you know 3 p.m eastern and 12 p you know 12 p.m pacific uh on the Hasbro eBay shop, like the limited release of the Mythic Edition, 250 bucks. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't actively collect cards, but I play walkers. It's one of the decks I kept. <clears throat> and I'd like the, those new walkers. Like, I'd like to have them in my deck. I like the way they look. I like I like the, 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 the aesthetic. And so I was... I was like, I might as well try to to grab them. 
And then it was like a Friday. I was I was actually after school building a, a set for my show. Took out my laptop at like 2.59. School ended at 2.55. We're like staying after to build. 2.59, my laptop comes out. I go on the Hasbro eBay shop. Um, I'm like hitting reload, reload, reload. Click enough times and all of a sudden there it is. And I go to buy it. But then I'm having an issue because eBay wants to ship it to my old address. Mm. And I'm like, oh, God, no. And I didn't know if it was my school internet or just the congestion on the network of everybody flooding the shop. But it was taking forever for eBay to update the address on my, you know, on my sale, on my purchase. And uh, I was worried because it gets to be like 304 and I'm like, by the time this thing updates, I'm going to hit like the final checkout button and it's going to be like, we're sorry, it's gone. So I didn't have high hopes. But then I got through, hit checkout, and it said, success, your order is confirmed. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you did it. was it. like, great. And then I was like, I'm one of 12,000. I checked back a few minutes later. It's sold out, but it says it says sold out at like 42,000 something. And I was like, huh. I remember reading 12,000 somewhere. Like, that's weird. Like, whatever. I, I mean, I guess that's if that means if that's limited to Wizards, 42,000, then I guess... <laughs> There must be a lot more magic players than I thought, uh, but I was like, what all right. did you know? Yeah. So then the next morning comes and I get this news. I And I tell I tell Jengis already, um, I've already told, I, 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 I mean, I told you the moment I got it because uh, Garuk came in the set and I was like, I'm going to sell the walkers I don't need. I was only going to keep Ugin, Jace, and the new Nicol Bolas from my Planeswalker deck. I was like, I want to sell the rest and make my money back. And, you know, I will I was like, you know, I, I, I was like, buddy, you know, you want Garuk for a good price? You said yes. We were like, great. I'm walking on sunshine. Day goes by. Next morning comes. And I'm like, you know, all right. I look online. Forbes. Forbes has an article about, Man. you know, wizards, like, fucks up royally. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't those exact words, but it was oh, it was close. Just so you know, we are, our podcast was in the can mid-April. So the news dropped early, beginning of May. That's why we didn't, uh, that's cast, why we didn't about cast about it. Right. So, yeah. So we, you know, <laughs> I, I see, I see this article, I click it. And it talks about exactly what I wondered about, which was apparently there was some error on either the eBay side of things or the Hasbro side of things. And they're like, unfortunately, we really only have 12,000 of these in production. So we're going to be canceling 30,000 orders. 30,000 orders. <laughs> 30,000 orders are going to get canned. And that's it. So sorry. And on top of that, they're not actually refunding them their money. They're giving them like an eBay credit. That's true. So people who paid actual money now have eBay money. And that was another huge point of contention, understandably. So I'm like, shit. So I, they're like, you know, those that I'm, I'm expecting a cancellation email. I go into my email and I have a like an, a secondary congratulations. You're one of the like 12,000. You're getting your mythic edition. And I was like, what? And then it got crazy. Like there were prices. Somebody listed a mythic edition. There was no way it was going to sell, but listed listed a mythic edition online for a million dollars. Yeah. And I immediately sent it to you, and you can describe your reaction. I, mean, I, I almost I was at work, 
and I was sipping on something. I almost spit out my drink because it was right. so ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like the prices. I mean, for that Jace alone, he's going for like four hundred bucks, and the Ugin's going for like two fifty. And I was like, my god. So I had no problem. I got that Mythic Edition, sold those cards, and I actually turned a profit. When it was all said and done, I made, I think, 50 bucks from actually um, all the extra cards that I, I, I pawned off on Kilroy. Um, <laughs> so I, actually, I actually made a made a $50 profit, which I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what a wild time. And all I could think the entire time was, man, I, I should have I bought two. Yeah. Some people bought like three. Like... They couldn't get them. Yeah. There was a two. There was a two cap. They would. They uh. Yeah. They nerfed everybody. Uh, they couldn't get them. Please don't be so naive. <laughs> okay. On a single eBay account tied to a single person, they couldn't get more than one. Right. But yeah. Wild man. Absolutely yeah. wild. It is wizards. Wizards. That was. Oh Jesus. Like, I mean, I really hope. I mean, and like the rep. What they did to like so. First, they sent them the the virtual gift card towards future purchases, um, and then, like as a consolation, the cool thing is an uncut sheet of mythics and rares from War of the Spark. I'm like, that's not their money though, and it wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't for everybody, right? Yeah. It was just for like select random people. We're gonna get an uncut sheet, like it was like. You're in the lottery to get an uncut sheet if you're one of these 30,000 people. And it's like, what are you doing, Wizards? I mean, like, it's. I really wish. They could have sent everybody, like, a pack. I know it's not much, but they could have sent them, like, here's a pack of War of the Spark. Enjoy. You know? Mm-hmm. Or something. Um, but, uh... But, uh... <laughs> like, this, yeah. is, this is, you know, maybe they'll probably just... Honestly, this is probably just gonna happen again. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, and we'll talk about it again. I'm sure. I, I don't think they're gonna like really change out of this because you know I feel like they might have like a deal with eBay or something like that. Who knows yeah. what goes on in the background? Um, yeah, but yeah, that yeah, magic. <laughs> um, anything else like big magic wise? I don't think so. Right, Word Spark ended. We got this, and then we. Do you really- remember when Magic the Gathering was in the Sorcerer's Apprentice? What? <laughs> Do you remember that? No. That was a random segue, but I just like I was just thinking about it and how like dumb it was. You don't remember that? Did you ever see The Sorcerer's Apprentice with like Nick Cage and uh Oh no, I have never seen this movie. Oh. I think it's The Sorcerer's Apprentice. It, it, it Magician's is. Apprentice? No, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh yep, yeah, I see it. He he actually had a magic card. What? Yeah, <laughs> what yeah they had like a pro like the main antagonists like so the main character played by I can't think it's the How to Train Your Dragon Drake dude. Stone played by Toby Kebbell. <laughs> that no, that's the yeah, that's yeah. the antagonist. But I'm talking about the the main the protagonist of the movie is the uh, the dude that's the Judd Apatow kid has a high voice plays um, Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. You would know more than me, my friend. I can't think of his name, but he he's the main character of the movie. Nick Cage plays an ancient sorcerer. Uh, Alfred Molina plays an ancient other sorcerer, the bad one. Um, the the main kid, he thinks he's like he's like the prime Merlinian. He's got like you know powers of Merlin. Anyway, he becomes the apprentice of the good sorcerer, and this Drake Stone character becomes the apprentice of like the bad character. But it starts 
at, with Drake Stone at like this like national magic competition, and he's got like a planeswalker card named after him, and it was so absolutely ridiculous. Oh, and I was oh. like, "What are they? Wh- how did this happen? And why in this movie? Like so unusual." I'll put a I'll put a link to the article that had all the cards uh, in the show notes, but it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. He's it was it was so dumb. He's blue black, which is interesting. So, sometimes though, I just think like, how are you? What are you doing, wizards? How are you advertising? How are you marketing? You know, it was like it was like uh, I think Io9 had an article a while back about uh, Wooberg. And that's how I discovered about Wooberg the puppet. Have you seen that? <laughs> I have. I have actually yeah. seen that one. So I mean, I just what are they? What are they thinking? Like what? What seven year olds do they have at the at the at the chalkboard here that are like dishing out these ideas? I mean, it's it's you know, I feel like some of it's handled by Hasbro. A lot of times I'm pointing towards Hasbro for like the things that I'm like I don't like about my Wizards of the Coast products. I'm like I can't imagine Hasbro is the is the is the sole the sole reason for your your ire. It's got to be some of it's got to be Watsy. I mean, yeah, I I'm sure they have a separate marketing team, like, and they're like, you know, this would be a really cool tie-in. You know, I mean, they they do so many things like the War of the Spark comics. They were supposed to like be, or like the book that was supposed to be a uh, a precursor to the set. It was supposed to set up all this lore. Didn't come out to like way after the set launched. Like, there's like so many things where I'm like, wizards, where do you t-? like? There's so many like, uh, like yeah. what, are you, what you doing, guys? What's going on? <laughs> Just you know, dropping the ball, dropping the ball left and, and right. Like you know, when I when I uh, I was listening to a. Uh, uh, an interview with uh, Chris Perkins from Dungeons and Dragons. And he said like the, the, the D and D team is like a couple dozen, like two dozen people, I think maybe a little bit less. Mm. Um, I'm like, wow, how do you operate on such like a small team? But I mean, obviously a lot of it's freelancers. Right. Um, But like, just, just imagine that like including marketing, there's like two dozen ish people working on Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, uh, man. Um, but eh, you know, that's we're, we're not. We can only look at things as like you know consumers and podcasters. We can't really. And, look. <laughs> I mean, D and D just dropped a whole bomb of uh, of yeah. things as well. Yeah, the descent happened. Oh man, that was a great weekend. Um, so I was already uh, well prepared to watch the descent because I was like, I have the weekend off. I'm going to watch a whole bunch of Dungeons and Dragons because, like, these days I'm, like, trying to consume as much, like, D&D as I can to help with, like, my own DMing. Um, and, like, just it was a it was a great weekend. Uh, started on I, let me look it up real quick. Started on Friday, I believe. Uh, and it was in L.A. So it worked on West Coast time. Um, right. You know, they they introduced their newest set. Or the newest uh, set of books, which was, uh, I believe it's Avernus. Uh, I could probably get the actual. Yeah, one. going straight to hell. Yep. Um, they 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 revealed it as like you know this is the first layer of hell descent into Avernus. Baldur's Gate, full title: Baldur's Gate: 
Descent into Avernus. It's for levels 1 to 13. Um, it sets, you know, you get some intrigue in Baldur's Gate, and all this intrigue ties into the first layer of the Nine Hells of Avernus, which is like this <clears throat> wasteland apocalypse where the forces of uh, where devils and demons are warring, uh, their eternal blood war. Um, and they kind of like made it like sound like this is like this is D&D Mad Max because the the there's like war machines that you'll be able to like customize and use in like your campaigns. Mm. Um, and they introduced a whole lot of interesting concepts. But circling back, um, I started on Friday. The first game session kind of set the scene of like um uh, Everyone here is, this is hell. And each session had a different, um, they, they're called like the, the, the Lords of Avernus. Um, each session had a different one. Uh, you know, some are, some are goofy, like Jeremy Crawford uh, played like a, a blood hag who is a Lord of Avernus. Uh, and she kind of like, uh, she was just a collector. She wanted a, you know, she wanted topside food. She was sick of demon food. She wanted, you know, stuff like that. And it was a fun game. Um, there was a whole bunch of celebrities as well as people from, <clears throat> you know, tabletop as a whole, uh, like uh, Talis and Jaffe from Critical Role, Joe Manganiello of uh, uh, Death Saves, uh, Matthew Lillard, who... Uh, <laughs> Who I didn't know was a big... Who is ultimate-powered Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, you know, Shaggy in the Scream movies, but oh, apparently he also has a company called Beetle and Grimms, and they make, like, premium collections of yeah, campaigns. Yeah, I've, I've seen their the Beetle and Grimm work. I didn't know he owned it, but they're, every time a new... Like, when... When Dragon Heist first came out, I really wanted look up. Have you seen the Dragon Heist? Yeah, Beetle and Grimm. Like I wanted that. That yeah. was awesome. But it was uh, also when we say premium, we're talking like it's like what five or six hundred dollars. Uh, no, no, not that much. I'm uh, pretty sure I remember it being like ridiculous. I will check it out right now. Um, there Beetle and Grimm's Platinum Editions. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were like stupidly like a point where I was like, I just could not ever buy this because it's just too much money. Just too much. Um, um, also they have, uh, it's just a, like I said, Matthew Lerner didn't know he was a big D and D guy. He was great. Like he was in a couple of the games and he was a blast to watch. Uh, Travis and Clint McElroy from the Adventure Zone. Yeah, the Platinum Edition of Baldur's Gate The Descent into Avernus is $500, Jengus. Well then. Like I said, I knew, it was, <laughs> I knew it was way out of out of like the realm of buying. I remember, I remember looking at it and being like, I would absolutely love this. But it was just so much money. For those that I, there was no way to, th- there was no way to justify that purchase. Of course, I'm like still tempted. That, like, like that's something a store should purchase and rent out. Yeah, I'm still tempted to buy uh, a set of dragon coins. It's three for fifteen, and I'm like, oh, they look so good. <laughs> uh, and if they're like a nice heft to them, I would be so satisfied with that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's like you can see the unboxing on the website of Dragon Heist, which includes uh, 
a very important artifact from the game itself that I won't spoil here. Oh, indeed. But, uh, but like, it, it's, it's also got, like, maps and pictures and high-quality replicas of minis ready to go for the game. A lot of metal. Um, a lot of metal objects. Um, a big bound book edition of the actual adventure, but inside is, like, actually, like coins and premium map and just like everything you could possibly ever want to use for for handouts that's really what it's all about it's mm-hmm. like it's just about it's that extra little that extra little like um aesthetic yeah. to add to your game mm-hmm. it's really a vanity item like it is such a vanity item 100% it's it's nothing you really need to run the game but if you have it, my God, your players are just like, shit, like, this is crazy cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then going back, uh, my favorite game, I, I had two favorite games. It's hard to really say. But Session 2 and Session 4 were both really good. Session 2 was great because I love Jerry Holkins and Kate Welch. Because I'm a huge fan of the C-Team, uh, Penny Arcade's D&D stream. Um, and they were great. Um, Kate is an amazing DM. I can't wait to see more from her. But game four, Chris Perkins's game had Matthew Mercer playing Boo, the giant miniature giant space hamster, and he was like perfectly in character. And Jim Zub, who does some of the D and D comics, uh, played as Minsk, and like just seeing them like like fully like he really had the mince character. He 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 said the lines go for the eyes boo. It was great. Um, <laughs> during the game, Chris Perkins invented double disadvantage. Um, it was like it was just a wild ride. You can watch all the games on Dungeons and Dragons YouTube channel. They have uh, they have them all chopped up and ready to serve there. So I would highly recommend uh, checking how, some how, of them out. And how long do the games run, Jengus? Oh, a couple hours, two hours, I think, like hour and a half, hour and change. I would say give them two hours, um, but they're solid, solid chunks. Uh, right. But uh, like I said, if you have the time, you can even like take breaks, but they're all they're all really good games uh, with sure. really great role, you know, really good characters. Just fun. It's a lot of fun. And I, I appreciated it. Um, I, I hope to one day go to a and d live event. Um, maybe next year. Who knows? <clears throat> um, and then what else, d and I've been, I've been, um, it's very interesting. The past couple of weeks, I've been diving into tabletop role-playing Twitter and, like, just seeing, like, the opinions of people out there. There was a whole thing uh this week about um freelance like people should get paid a decent amount of money like they should be paid appropriately for creating content in tabletop space and there were people who would say no um everything should be free you know you should just do it for the love of the hobby and like it's just it, there was a whole stir and like I'm on definitely on the side of like, you know, if people are making something and putting time and effort into it, they should definitely be paid for it. Um, right. You know, it shouldn't be poo pooed on that they want to charge at least a couple bucks for it. 
um, or even more, depending on the quality of the product. Um, like that was an interesting conversation. And then also um, there was a whole thing about, you know, how, um, how problematic D and D is at times, specifically right. in like when it comes to its origins and like how it like there's a lot of like you know it, it's when you when you take off like the veneer of fantasy and you kind of like realize what things represent, it becomes really ugly and like what we as people who create content for it can do to make it a better space um and there was just a whole lot you mean being racist murder hobos are not the (laughs) the qualities to instill in uh individuals no 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 um and you can't just judge people by their race or the way they look (laughs) and just immediately murder them on site that's not that's not okay no 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 okay (laughs) Um, but Cause that's I, exactly what we do in D and D. I know, I know it's bad. It's bad. Um, and like, I'm definitely like opened my eyes a bit to like what, like when I eventually make my own kind of homebrew campaign of what, you know, what I should try to do going forward. And I'm right. still very, like, I'm still very fresh to the whole idea of it. So I know I may not do it well, but, um, I know it's definitely something I want to work on and that'll be th- a whole I think I think you're a fine DM. Sometimes I question my own DM abilities. I'm just like, am I a good DM? I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I'm I just wing it. You know? <laughs> I mean I wing it too. I don't um, mean just in terms of like what I'm doing. Like I just I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like I just watch other DMs and I'm just like, ugh. Do am I good? Do my players enjoy my games? I don't know. I, I don't mean know. it's hard to I mean the Matthew Mercer effect is a thing. <laughs> What is the what is the Matthew Mercer effect? Well, people who come into Dungeons and Dragons, maybe not like you and me, who have been there since three, you know, third edition or like three point five, but right. people who came into it very recently, like in the past year, a lot of times their first experience with Dungeons and Dragons is going to be something like a popular live play, like Critical Role or The Adventure Zone, um, right. in which you know, especially Critical Role because it's probably one of the most popular ones out there. Um, sure. You know, Matthew Mercer puts a lot of effort into his game and all his players are professional voice actors. So everyone there is role playing their asses off and like Matt's putting on voice after voice after voice. He's got high quality sound effects and uh, music. Not not even sound effects. It's really just a matter of like he's just very skilled at what he does. Um, And that puts on a certain... Uh, expectation upon new players in which a DM who has a full-time job and isn't a professional voice actor may not be able to meet those expectations and may feel pressured to try to do that, but then can't deliver. And it's a whole thing. Um, And they don't just, and that's what is considered the Matthew Mercer effect. Interesting. Um, uh, You know, Matthew Mercer himself has come out saying like, what they do is a special, unique thing, and every table is different, you know. And, and he he does a good job of trying to like get ahead of it. Um, sure. Uh, and you know, and I understand. Um, if if we all had unlimited time to focus on Dungeons and Dragons, I'm sure we'd all be able to create amazing and be, uh, and immersive things. 
Right. But, but I mean, like I said, you and I, we have full time jobs. You have a family, you know, like we really can't. You, hold en- it. you enjoy my games, though, right? When of, we do them. Of course I do, David. OK, that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm vindicated then. That's all I needed. Jengis. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no problem, buddy. But uh, also speaking, Matthew Mercer, uh, they had a uh, a charity uh, game recently where they raised money for the Red Nose Fund, uh, which was to end child uh uh, uh, poverty, uh, childhood poverty. Um, and, uh, Stephen he, Colbert. He, yeah. He had a game with Stephen Colbert, um, which, uh, which is funny because like, a, speaking of when I said funny, it's like, um, a lot of people expected it to be funny because, you know, Stephen Colbert is somewhat comedic, Correct. Um, but the game wasn't really funny, but it was very entertaining for me, it was also spiritually uplifting. It was because there, you see a light in Colbert's eyes when he plays, when he watches Matt Mercer do his thing, and he's and he gets to play D anD D for the first time in however how long he said it's been. It is it is just you see a a childhood like wonder come out in his eyes, and it just it, you feel good while you watch that 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 game. Like you mm-hmm. you enjoy it. Not just because it's a good game, because both of them are doing great at it, but you can you can his Colbert's enjoyment of being able to actually play a game of D anD D is almost it's like it's like palpable, like you can feel it physically how much enjoyment he is having, um, even in little down moments. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just like he even when he's it. just trying to like learn the rules, like oh this is how you guys do it now. Like he's still like he's. Um, <laughs> Even when he was trying to learn, like you know what, how the rules have changed since I think he played, he played literally like A D and D, A D and D, yeah. Like he was there, like you know, very beginning almost, and like things are different. You could do certain things now, and like his whole, like, oh, you can do that now. That's you know, that's so different than when we used to play. And like, didn't even know he could be a bard to start with. He thought he had to multi-class, I, prestige class into it. I had no idea that was even the thing. That shows like yeah, my man. lack of knowledge, like. Yeah, that, like you know, on and I was like, "Wow!" You know, there was a time where where you had you know races were classes, man. Oh, that I do didn't know. Like dwarf was a class, dwarf like, was a class, <laughs> elf was a class. Yeah, um, and like I said, it was just it's. A, I'm gonna put a link to it in the show notes as well. It's just like I said, if you're a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, I think it's just a wonderful game to watch and just like really feel good coming out of it. Like you you want to feel good watching something. <laughs> watch the trailer for Onward. Onward. Oh yes, yeah. That's the a- the Pixar high fantasy, but also modern, uh, questy adventure movie starring Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. <laughs> like I, I saw it this morning, and I, I was like, "Wow, this is a movie I'm going to go see a hundred percent." Oh yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like. It's 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 like it hits all the notes, you know. Right? Like <laughs> it's got all the high fantasy. Like, so the concept is high fantasy world of elves and trolls and goblins and satyrs and centaurs and mer people and unicorns and every high fantasy creature you can pack into something, but in a modernized type world with technology that we like have and use now. Like there are planes flying through the air, you know, next to the unicorns and there's, you know, uh, they have like, you know, cell phones and stuff. And these two, I think they're elves, 
Um, the one young elf, his brother like pulls up the older elf pulls up in a, his brother pulls up in a van and is like, you know, hop in, we're going on the quest. And he's like, I don't think it's a quest. I just think it's a, it's an errand. He's like, nah, it's definitely a quest. We're going on a quest. And it's just like, <laughs> it just seems fun. It seems like a fun movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, you know, fantasy's in man. It's in, especially with Tom Holland and Chris. We Pratt. live in such a weird <laughs> era i mean the fact granted i'm not saying our podcast is like nationally renowned but the fact that we do this for entertainment because there are people we know will listen is unusual like i so our friend frank over from non-productive he had had this post when endgame came out and he had talked about like if you had told young frank about like this time that there would be a time where not only that there would be a movie like Endgame, but that it would be like the second highest grossing movie internationally of all time. And that it wouldn't just be a bunch of nerds in the theater, that this would be a Hollywood blockbuster film with a list actors that every like person on the planet wants to go see this movie. He would have told you you're, you know, you're full of shit because (laughs) there was just a time where like, the age of the nerd is here, man. Like, I don't know what changed. I don't know if it's just we've we're trying to grow towards more acceptance or what, but pop culture <laughs> is comic books and D and D right now. I can like t- it really I can tell is. you what changed. But it's like it's the stark reality. <laughs> is that um uh, reality our, is so shitty we'd rather go into a fantasy? Exactly. <laughs> as as a society, as a generation, we've been left with the the scraps. You know that the, the I don't want you know I don't want to get too crazy into it, but like I think you know. I think I think that might be a reach. I think there are because there are other forms of fantasy that we, we could have adapted to, and there are other ways of escapism. Movies in general have always had a fantastical element of escape, but it's the fact that we've recently we've latched onto specifically comic book and comic book and Dungeons and Dragons culture, nerd culture specifically. That is unusual to me. Like it just, it seems weird that that's the thing because even young me and I'm sure young you like these are the top, these are, these are topics where if you were in school talking about them, if you talked to the wrong person, you were going to get made fun of or depending (laughs) on where you went to school, possibly beat up. Like you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Like now you can walk through a hallway and be like, oh man, Captain America what a guy. He did this, that, and that. People, people just walk by and say, yeah, America's ass and walk away. And you'll be like, and it's just like a thing now. Like you don't, there's no, you know, we can, I have a and d group at lunch and people come in and don't judge and say, ew, this is weird to the students that are playing in my D&D game. Instead, they're coming in saying, Dungeons and Dragons, that's so cool. I've always wanted to play. And it's like, I don't understand, but I'm very pleasantly surprised surprised and, and happy you know i mean there was a time where D players were called devil worshipers and that That's they true. had to literally play in basements because god forbid they played it in the open they'd be fucking strung up and now it's like you know now we're going back you, to hell a yeah. baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i mean but like it's just so yeah, what a what a crazy and great time to be alive it is indeed uh, at least as far as being a fan of fantasy uh, and science fiction. Oh, <laughs> dude. Do you watch The Twilight Zone at all? No, I don't want I don't watch TV to be depressed, Dave. 
why why would you call it depressing twilight zone is not depressing twilight zone was great there's a couple of there's maybe there's only one episode that was pseudo depressing uh one and a half uh and that was uh the wonderkind and whatever that really racially motivated one was those were like not really depressing but depressing that sense that you knew how true the themes of them were. They were so very close to home. But God, the episodes are good. Can I give you some of like a little bit of uh, a little previews of Twilight Zone? Sure. Give me your give me your favorite app. Oh, that's hard. There's a couple. But I'd say like. Just pick one a, of them. They're, they're all good. <laughs> Probably the one the one that got me cemented like, like was actually. To, if you were to recommend. Like if someone were to say to you, I want entry, a gateway drug. Exactly. The entry episode, episode two. What is it? Episode two. (laughs) Episode two has um, Adam Scott playing a uh, journalist Mm. and he's about to go on a flight, flight 1015, Gold Star flight 1015, which is taking off at 1015. Uh, Coincidence. Yes, and you he has some sort of backstory we only sort of care about, and we know that he's had breakdowns and possibly some sort of traumatic experiences in the past due to his you know um due to his journalism I mean he's flying to Tel Aviv, so you figure he's going he goes to places where there's war or you know possibly danger, and so he might have some p t s d we don't know mm-hmm. um but he he gets on the flight and he sits down. And as he sits down in his in the seat pocket in front of him is an MP3 player. Oh, and he's like, oh, like he's looking around, seeing if this is like he doesn't know whose it is. And he looks on it, and it's a, there's a podcast currently like queued up on the MP3 player, and the title of the episode of the podcast is "The Mysterious Disappearance of Flight 1015." And he starts to listen to the podcast, and it's. It's like a podcast, like a like a mystery, like unsolved mysteries podcast that was almost like recorded in the future about the flight he's on. Oh, that's creepy. And it's yeah, and it starts off talking about how like, you know, little did like, you know, the passengers know as they boarded t- flight 1015 that in 1 hour that plane would never be heard from again. And like literally like the entire episode is this dude trying to figure out how to stop this plane from disappearing. And of course, you know, similar to the, uh, it's, it's called terror at 30,000 feet. And it's very reminiscent of the William Shatner episode where of twilight zone, the very famous episode where William Shatner played the the main character of that episode where he saw uh, the demon (laughs) on the wing outside. There's (laughs) something on the wing. Some, thing right yeah like everybody's made fun of it but that episode is an iconic episode of twilight zone and this is sort of reminiscent of that and the fact that there's this guy who nobody believes and it's up to him to sort of stop it i won't say any more than that because it's worth watching it's worth Mm. watching the episode and if you like that episode i can tell you all of the twilight episode uh, zone episodes are are just as solid the guest stars are great jordan peele is an amazing host and it's just I have not watched an episode I've disliked. The nice. weakest episode I watched by far was The Wonderkind, but I think it's just because the theme of it was just so... It was just a little too close to home, 
And I just, I just didn't want to watch it anymore. I was just like, ugh. I skipped a lot of it. Like I kind of just kept skipping around and seeing where it was going to end up. And then once mm-hmm. it was over, I was like, ugh. Start John Cho though. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Harold is getting work. But it, you know, he uh, in that ep- in that episode, he plays a campaign manager who is trying to turn the most unpopular president in the world, like turn his campaign around for a second election. Doesn't get it to happen. His career goes down the crapper. Long story short, he ends up running the campaign of like an eight-year-old who says he wants to become president. And he decides that, you know, he had this kid has like, he's like a YouTube sensation. Everybody thinks this kid has great ideas like video games for all and ice creams before, you know, dinner. And so his plan is that the mom is the mom's name is going to be on the ballot because the kid is obviously not old enough to be eligible to be president, but the kid will be calling the shots. The kid will be president. And he runs the campaign, and I will spoil this one. The kid becomes president. Okay. It's not the end of the episode, but he becomes president, and it's it's just as bad as you think. Mm. And it's just that that sort of overarching wink, wink, nudge, nudge of like, this is what <laughs> happens when you put someone in power who has no knowledge or right to be in that position of power. And very reminiscent maybe of a certain situation we find ourselves in now. And it was just very like cringeworthy. And I was just, oh, ugh. yeah. So I believe but it was it. still, I mean, solid episode still. And <laughs> I've, I'm still watching. You would have loved the most recent episode I watched begins with five astronauts who are going to take the first manned mission to Mars in hopes to begin colonizing. And, the day of their launch, they're they're like a minute or two away from launching when over the broadcast station, they hear an emergency warning that California has been vaporized, that North Korea sent a bunch of nukes out and have begun to dest- have begun to destroy America and America has started to respond. And essentially that the whole world is about to be like, this is it. Like this is the nuclear holocaust of the world is happening outside mm-hmm. and they have to make a decision cancel their flight and try to get off the launch pad even though they heard that their 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 flight site in Florida is one of the targets and they'll probably be vaporized before they can even make it to the ground let alone hide somewhere or they have enough time to to continue the launch and get out of orbit before the missiles would hit and they would have they would have to worry and it's like a 4 to 1 vote and they blast off and they lose all communication with everybody. And as far as they're aware, they are the last five surviving humans. They don't. They there's no way for them to know how many, if anybody, survived on Earth. And then they take a like a year long trip almost on their way to Mars. And it is I'll, that's as much as I'll say. But it's great. Wow. And who, for Jengis, who loves space and sci fi, <laughs> you would love that episode. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty interesting. It's uh, great, man. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I also kind of wanted to bring up just talking about uh, board games a little bit. Uh, we played a couple new ones recently. Um, and one of them was, I can't, God, I can't even remember the name of it. It's like right over there. The one That's with the right. countries. What was it? Uh, Ooh, I didn't even write it down. Hold on. I'll you, go look. You, you have it. It's right there. Keep riffing, Jengis. Um, ooh, boy. But yeah, I haven't really been playing a lot of board games recently. I mean, uh, I played the ones we played together. Uh, and I played um, I played the newest Time Stories. But beyond that, I haven't really been playing a ton of board games. That's it's me. called 
Empires. Empires. That's it. Yeah. That was a cool game. It was interesting. It was an interesting game. You get to play as one of like the, I don't want to say ancient, but one of like the <laughs> old empires like, of the world. Like World like, War One era countries. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you've got like. Because the Ottoman, it's the Ottoman Empire and not Turkey. <laughs> right. And you've got so you've got the Ottoman Empire, you've got um, you know Great Britain, France, um, you know all the big all the big names, and you're vying for resources and power. And there's an interesting like system of marketing and the way in which goods and people are relate to gaining the win. And it was it was an interesting game. Um, I think we had a lot of fun playing it, but I just feel like. It it's overly complex for something that's incredibly simple at its core. I agree. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, it's a hundred percent. There's a lot of rules, um, and well, there's a lot of rules and pieces. And I've played rule heavy, piece heavy games before, but like I at just the feel end like of the day, it's you just follow the steps. <laughs> Right. Like it's and almost the, like the game is automated to a degree. Yeah. And like there's very little there's some strategy, but I don't think the strategy is extremely deep. Um, right, because like we I think I think you and Andy lost sight of like what the win condition of the game was because the win condition is very simple. It was like what was it? You have to have like the most luxuries or something the most uh the most like the love of your nation i believe is what it is support fame support something like that and you get that by going by getting luxuries anyway long story short we we played the game i won just because like and he was stocking up on like banks which weren't really doing anything for him and i forget what you were stocking up on but it just wasn't like i was trying to win wars you were but, trying to win wars, yeah. And I, I just sat there thinking, like, I just need to make sure I have this one resource because this is how you win the game. Yep. And it's just weird because you have all these other mechanics that almost seem... Maybe if we play with more people in more rounds, those mechanics would come into play a little bit more. But I just feel like it seemed so... So many things we did seemed unnecessary. I could almost have done nothing in that game and still probably won. You were rewarded for not doing anything in the last round. Like you just abstained from the war and you were able to get out ahead because of it. Right. Um, so which, I, I don't know. That's why I say I feel like it's overly complex for something that's really simple. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I would give it one thumb. Mm. Mm. Give it a thumb. Uh, I, will f- I will give it a reluctant thumb. How about that? There you go. <laughs> but uh also we fun enough for the first time we randomly swapped someone in gloomhaven and it ended up working out fine actually like it's actually really easy to swap someone in though i've realized that i think there's an app that can keep track of enemy attack cards it, like it has all the enemy attack cards and the enemy stats at their level and it can keep track of their health I think I might start using that instead of the actual pieces. I just think that might streamline our process a little bit because it's a lot of time is spent pulling out 
cards and putting out in the monster things and the little health trackers and the muddled and this one I could just on my phone just tap 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 yeah I could see that Probably. so it might make it go faster um, but yeah man yeah I mean that's it and then Jengis finished the last of the time stories arc madam it's but true. I have not yet so I can't I can't talk about it yet we can't we can't talk about it um but I know <laughs> he knows things I have the He's knowledge seen things um um, kind of round out, rounding out the uh, podcast and ending it. Uh, so Petathon is, you know, I feel like I feel on like the half horizon. the year we always we always talk about Petathon being on the horizon. Like by the time the first Petathon ends, we're already talking about the next Petathon on the horizon. But yes, the Petathon is on the horizon again sometime in August. <laughs> yes, I believe so. Yes, and uh, Jangus and I are once again going to a game. I hope. If I'm not in class or on vacation at that time, because mm-hmm. um, I just sort of just told people I was like, yeah, sure, but I don't actually know if I'm going to be somewhere. Where? What? What day is the Petathon? Does it say? I honestly don't have it in front of me right now. Okay, well, let's find out right now so we can promo the Petathon <laughs> on YSNPG. The Petathon is Petathon 2019, August 10th and 11th. Yeah. So I will be here, but I might have a class. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Um, But Jenks and I are once again going to be running a game. It's true. Once again, it's going to be a horror-based game, so I can scare the shit out of Jengis. It's and true. <laughs> it's going to be, as my wife laughs slightly maniacally <laughs> in the background, it's the best part of the Petathon, isn't it? It's true, babe. Poor Jengis. Thanks. I, feel like, I just felt like Ruby Rod in the middle of the Fifth Element. I'm like, so tell me, my man. <laughs> Call me, my man. Call me, my man. <laughs> you know, how you feeling? And then she's like, great. <laughs> yeah. What's the word of the day? <laughs> like, thanks, thanks for those two words, babe. Sorry, um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to... I have not played... We're going to play Resident Evil 7 on mm. PlayStation VR. I have not played Resident Evil 7 on VR. And in terms of the console version, I only played the demo when it first came out. And that was enough to get my heart racing. I can't imagine what the VR version of the game is going to be like. And I'm not going to play it. I am going to this time. This will be the first time I will be walking into a game blind for the Petathon Because PT... I played, and then oh, I played yeah. it with you. We know and then, we knew that game back and forth at that point, right? And then Lion King was like my childhood, so I owned that game, um, quite both metaphorically and literally. <laughs> um, owned that game, and then last year was Rush of Blood, which I had played before, and you were sort of new at. But this is the first time that we'll be playing a game that we're both like. Not going to play until the night of. Mm-hmm. It should be interesting, especially because it's it's going to be scary. <laughs> it's going to be so scary. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> it's for good cause, Jengis. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you donate. I'm wondering what our comic is going to be when uh, there's a bunch of announcements coming out about Petathon with great comics by Geek Aids Angie. She's uh, in the middle of you know drawing her nurse comics for each little announcement, so I'm interested to see what ours is going to entail. Make sure you um, follow the Geek Aid Facebook page. Check those out. Yeah. 
So uh, that's pretty much it for for this cast. Uh, any final parting words? Good. <laughs> I, I I I ain't got no matches. I I, I ain't got no fire. Uh, um. Yeah. Chris Tucker's best performance to date by far. <laughs> Look forward to our next episode where we'll be talking about the lack of stuff happening. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, Jangus and I are are. I'm telling you, our podcast is going to change from you shall not pass go to Jangus and Dave talk about stuff. <laughs> uh, we get more we get more content talking about stuff randomly, like Twilight Zone, than we do of like you know, oh, the magic and D D news of the month. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure there'll be something to talk about. There always is. We can always talk about something. We can talk about anything. And it's you know true. what? If you want us to talk about anything at all, anything at all, write us, tell us. That's right. YSMPGcast at gmail.com. I didn't say it because we played it at the end, but yes, that's the that is in fact the email. You're gonna hear or it even, again. Or even you could do uh the Geek Aid official mail. Or you could leave us a review on iTunes. Or all of the above. Indeed. So have a great <laughs> month and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com.